0: So at the end, we will, uh, we will, yeah, pray together, and I'm gonna run through a bunch of things to kind of get us on the same page, maybe. Lots of great things out there that you can read and pray for concerning uh, our election and, and, uh, and all that. Um, and uh, we're continuing to look at what it means to follow Jesus, and uh, there's a lot more to talk about. We've only scratched the surface um, of what that would look like. For each one of us, um, but we will probably come back to this often every year in some form to say, "What does it mean to follow Jesus?" Because we know, even uh, the past couple of weeks, we've been reminded that it needs to be repeated over and over again. Remember uh, when we talked about who's the greatest last week? We see and we saw in chapter nine. Uh, You know, Jesus declares these things about who's the greatest, first shall be last. And then a chapter later on their journey together, he had to say it all over again. And we need those kind of reminders constantly. Today I want to talk a little bit about worship, but it's not some teaching all about worship. There's tons to talk about. It's a series in itself. It's not necessarily some how-to. It's more of a heart of worship, especially as followers of Jesus. So some of you that are here today, if you do not follow Jesus, again, I'm glad you're here But this won't totally make sense um, unless you follow him. But I want you to hear maybe some elements of what that looks like, what we're declaring um, in all of this. And a lot of it has to do with value. So in the story that we'll look at in just a little bit, it's a story in some form, there's some debate on, and probably it's a couple different stories, different stories, but the same kind of idea, big idea, concept, and just like the actual things that are happening. Um, we're going to look at the one in, in just a little bit in Mark 14 today. If you want to go there on on your whatever you know type of tool you have or a Bible, or it'll be on the screen as well. But Mark 14, 1 through 9. But it's also found in, found in John 12, Matthew 26, and Luke 7, the story about a woman who comes to Jesus. Um, soon he will die, and he will, as we looked at last week for a couple of weeks, we looked at that time of that, that period of time where Jesus was giving last instructions to his disciples, his followers, men and women and uh, right before that a woman comes to him in the midst of a home and uh, again there's there's a couple different stories on which home and what time of the week it is but she comes to him and she's seen as, we believe, a woman of ill repute, uh, probably the local, one of the local prostitutes or someone that he's brought out of sin and given, you know, light and salvation to. She comes and she does this great act um, of, of uh, servanthood to him, but does something very powerful with it. It's an act of worship. And it's because she places great value on Jesus. So she's going to give everything that she has, it seems. She's going to cut through all the junk. She's going to get rid of any pride, and she's going to just kneel at the feet of Jesus and do a very intimate thing with with him uh, because she holds him in great value. Now, some of that might be because of what she was called out of. A lot of times when we, we recognize what we've been called out of, what our life was before, of course we place great value on the one who got us out of that. It's great respect, and we do that with people because we, we, we hold them in great value. What would it look like uh, for you um, if someone you knew gave everything away to someone else? those of you that follow Jesus you could even add like someone like Jesus like something that you might think is just crazy like maybe they come into a great inheritance maybe they won the lottery I don't know and they've got all this money and stuff and you're friends with them and suddenly they declare that they're going to give it to someone else that they respect highly but they don't just give like part of it, like 10% of their tithe or give a little extra. Like they give it all. What would you feel and and do about that? How would you feel? Like, are there any of you, like I think in me when that would happen, I know, I'm sure that I would go, you know, we've been friends for a long time. And how, how come, like, you didn't give me just a little bit? <laughs> would anyone else feel like that? I think because of that laugh, too, most of you probably would. There's part of us, whether we like it or not, that stuff rises up, doesn't it? Like, they're giving everything away. Like, they, they sold their house, they're given the cash, they're giving cars, they're giving their tools, their stuff, their, all their things away, they're... They're dogs. They're kids. They're just—they're just throwing. Some of you like—you can have the kids, but I'll take—I want the cash, you know. It's something to think about right now because one of the things about us as followers of Christ is what we've looked at so far. One of the things that comes up constantly is—it's a full committal. It's full commitment. It's—it's it's all in when we follow Jesus. Now, many of us struggle with that, I, I do. I really realize how I've compartmentalized my life and suddenly I realize where I have not given Jesus some part of me, internally and externally. And so one of the things that a story like this does is it cuts to our hearts and lives to say, wow, what does it feel like when I see this happening, when I'm called to do this, when I'm, right? And what does it look like uh, for me In that situation, how would I feel if this was happening in my life? See, worship has this element of giving it all away to what or to whom you place great value on. So for some of us, it's an individual. We place great value on this person, and we tend to give them more because we place great value on them. A lot of us find ourselves really worshiping, we could say, things, because we place great value on it. It's a possession we have, and we've elevated that so much that ultimately what it looks like is we've put someone else or something else above Jesus, Does anyone struggle with that at all if you evaluate your life? Have you placed greater value on someone or something? And this fits for followers of Christ. For those of you that don't follow Jesus, of course you're going to do that. That's natural, right? But for those of us that do, we've made a declaration of allegiance to him. He is priority number one. There are many other things that we can participate and have in life. That's not a problem But what happens is if we place greater value on someone or something than Jesus, really that's our ultimate thing or person that we worship. It is. It is for me and for each one of us. So when I read a story like this and I realize that worship, it's not just an act or a thing we do or a song we sing or a place we go. It is how much we place value on something or someone. And so let's go to the story in Mark 14, I might pause a little bit in there to give you some other insight from John and the other stories, Um, but let's look at it together. Here it is on the screen. It's from the New Living Translation. It's from the Gospel of Mark, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So the second half of the Bible, you can find Mark in there, and it's one of the the four books that talk about Jesus. We've been looking at those as followers of Christ And it says this, it was now two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread, these big celebrations where people are worshiping and remembering what God has done. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him they don't like him they don't like what he's been teaching they don't like the way he's been leading people what he's calling people out of they don't like that he's given them a whole different way to live in life that doesn't change today people don't like it when we declare to follow Jesus because it's it's like a you know a 180 where it's just a flip of how we are to live how we are to act what are we to do and so we're learning that together and they don't like this and they say to themselves, let's not do it during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. We don't wanna cause problems, we don't wanna you know, create any issues, we don't want the people against us, and so let's just watch when we do it, let's wait for the opportunity, opportune time, and that's what the enemy does to us even today. Meanwhile, Jesus is still doing his thing. He's still ministering to people, he's still loving folks. Just because he's gonna go soon and die does not change how he lives. And I think that's a great reminder for us, Just because tribulation, struggles, problems are coming, we know that. It should not change the way we live. Or if it is, it should be in greater energy put to following him. And so Jesus, it says, meanwhile, is doing this in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy, another guy that is going to get it when we hold great value because he was healed. While he, Jesus, was eating, this woman comes in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. Now this is very important because one, this alabaster jar is a very delicate thing, it could be carved, it's very beautiful. In its own right, it was probably expensive. It's filled with this very expensive uh, perfume, this, like some of you were selling the essential oils, it's like that, but very expensive. We will see later on that one of the disciples would declare, why couldn't this be sold and given to the poor, because you know what it's worth? It's worth, A year's wages. What do you make in a year? An entire year. That's how much this was worth. That's how much they're watching someone give away. So if you make 50 grand, 30 grand, 100 grand, or 200 grand, or a million bucks, hey, tithe on it, and then, oh, by the way, (laughs) just being stupid pastoral, just scratch that. I'm just giving you, no. So, anyways, Think of how expensive that is. And I want to tell you this, we'll come to this in a little bit. That jar, it's very important to remember, one of the things about this alabaster jar that I was reading kind of uh, in the archeological context is you don't just, it's not like a little pretty jar that you have at home and there's a topper and you take it out and you dab it like all of us dudes do, right, and, no, you don't do that, oh, okay, so it's, Like the belief was, it's so delicate and beautiful, like this whole big perspective, once it's opened, it's broke. So hear me, that once it's broke open, it's fully, it's open, it's done. You don't reseal it again. She's doing something so amazing that she's, she's willing to give everything that she's had, her dowry maybe, an inheritance she got. Maybe maybe some came across this massive amount of money to save for her future. But she's found the pearl of great price. She will break open her life and be exposed for who she is, for what she's done, for who she is now, and there's no going back. And so this, this very expensive perfume this, this essential oil, this beautiful thing with this jar, it says she broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. One of the stories talks about this woman, whether it's the same story or not, we don't know. They're very similar, very close together. It says when, when she did that, she then took her hair, probably out of it, all put up because women would have needed to do that at the time, let it down and wiped his feet with her hair. A very intimate thing, but again, she places so much value on what Jesus has done for her, who he is, and what he is about to do that it is worth giving up everything for. She broke, breaks it open. She pours it over his head, not just on his feet, but it's, it's bigger too. A lot of those jars would have been like an ounce. So this is a lot of this. She anoints him. She, she does what he will do later, washes his feet really, serves him, loves him, gives all to him. Some of those at the table were indignant. Now this is where we began to be exposed Why waste such expensive perfume? Many of us would have asked the same thing. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied and he said this, I love when Jesus stands up for people. He does it constantly in the Gospels and listen, hear this, he does it to men and he does it to women. This is very important to hear. He does it to people that were once the worst of sinners, and he'll do it for those sometimes that think they're so awesome and religious. He sticks up for her and he says, leave her alone. To his own followers, his guys, the guys who will be running the church one day, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you. That's not going away. That's not going anywhere. And you can help them. This is a great thing for us to hear. You can help them whenever you want. Hey, you could give them all you have if you want. Quit criticizing her, but you will not always have me. They see, they hear, she already knows that there's a greater kingdom perspective, and we've been talking about that. We have to see something greater. God's kingdom perspective of who he is, what he does, how he feels about us, and then that's how we act out of that. She's done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. She's seeing something down the road. She sees what he's about to do. She holds that in great value that he will die for all humanity. I tell you the truth. Listen to this amazing phrase here, this, this line. Wherever the good news, the gospel is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. That is awesome. Let's talk about this for a few minutes here. I got tons of stuff. I don't want to like, uh, you know, give you too much, but maybe you want to write a few things down. I got some points to throw out to you. But remember, this is a woman holding great value. This is worship. This is a beautiful picture of what worship is and does. This drives, though, in it, it's it's kind of a picture of two hearts as well. This, we know in another story, the disciple that spoke up is named. It's Judas. We know that he has an issue already with cash. He has a problem. This is what drives him over the edge, to watch some woman come in and give everything she had to Jesus. Two hearts are revealed, one of love and worship and one of anger and resentment. One that is giving all to someone else and one that is wanting to get more for himself. We should consider these things for ourselves today. When you remain unlike this woman, but when you remain or allow yourself to remain bottled up, it will lead to a life of betrayal we all may understand this in some way, it, it betrays you to God and what he really intended you to be. We don't see the real him and we do not become the real us. Because we're so consumed with these types of things that Judas and the others were dealing with. When we remain bottled up like that, if we don't break ourselves open, we all can deal with this, I can as well, it really costs you nothing, no investment, no commitment. But you find yourself trying to get more. You try to keep control and fight for position. We saw that last week with uh, who's the greatest. They fought about it. And one of the things that it does, we'll see in a little bit, is it changes everyone around you, the atmosphere of the room. And this will happen when the disciples act this way, in particular Judas, it changes the atmosphere of those few guys. I'm sure many of them rallied around him like, yeah, that's right. You know, we could have sold this and done great things with it. But Jesus, well, she really starts, changes the atmosphere in the room by breaking open some, something that was a beautiful smell and everybody could smell it and, and experience that aroma. And then Jesus changes the atmosphere as well and says, leave her alone. This is what's more important and this will be remembered forever. You cannot remain bottled up. Worship will not allow you to do that. You need to open up and express it. This is not in your, on the screen here, but if you wanted to look at Luke 19, 28 through 40, I'm not reading all those verses, just one little phrase, but Jesus is entering in on a little donkey into jerusalem and people are grabbing palm branches at a celebration time they're throwing them on the ground they're taking their coats off they're expressing praise and worship to god from the psalms they're saying blessings on the king who comes in the name of the lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven and they're just declaring this they're worshiping by singing declaring these things about him and the religious leaders they get all ticked off and they tell jesus they come to him and say like they would do and like we see in the story they go tell those people to be quiet they shouldn't be saying that about you They shouldn't be talking to you about that way. And they're just taking off their stuff. They now have a wrong kingdom perspective. They think he's a king, but they're still worshiping. They're blessing him. They're praising him. The religious say, stop. And Jesus says, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. When you remain bottled up, Jesus is declaring, don't. But listen, even one translation says, the rocks will cry out. You're probably familiar with that. But allowing yourself to become broken and poured out leads to a life of beauty. It can bring its own pain. But this woman brought herself as she is with all of her baggage, but bursting with blessings to give. Jesus, and I love this, he just calls all types of people His humility, grace, mercy, and love opened the door for all to come, and she is one of them. And because of that, she places great value on Jesus, and it turned into worship. So let me give you some things about worship and what it is from this story, maybe some things to think about. We'll take communion together, sing a song, and then I want to pray with you concerning our nation some things. Number one, worship is the expression of our love for and our life with God. So even if you write one word down, it's expression. Worship is expressed in many ways. Psalms talks about it. It can be through instruments. So ultimately, these people are not just leading us this morning. They're playing instruments for the glory of God. That's worship. So you may play the spoons, you may play the harmonica. You may desire to, and you do it in the privacy of your own room. You may sing in the shower. You may get up here and sing. I don't know. You may get a little uh, egg thing. You may rap? Did somebody say? Or well, no? Yeah, any of those? <laughs> and I would say yes to all of it. But it's not the only thing. We've placed our worship into the category usually of singing in a building at a specific time. That is just a tiny part of us worshiping together. But it is not all of worship. Worship is an expression though, an expression of our love for and our life with God. It acknowledges who he is, what he has done, does and doing, who we are in him, what he says about you and me, that we're his beloved children, that I have steadfast love for you. You could go down the list. That, in many forms, is an expression of worship. We should embrace arts more. Some of you paint. I've seen some of you do some painting. Uh, Zoe's right here, read things before. Some of you, maybe it's a spoken word element. Some of you, it's the way you do, we'll talk about it in a minute, Your job the way you live your life, all are expressions of worship. All of it to say it's placing great value on God. There's a little uh, parable that Jesus shares in Matthew 13. It's just a couple verses. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. That's worship. So one of the things that you could do is express to him through your voice, through the way you live life, the way you love, the way you sing, the way you act. You can express to him that you hold him in great value. And he expresses that to us when he says, you will not always have me with you. This is something to be embraced right now. And she places that value on Jesus and thus is willing to give it away. Now, when you do that, part of that expression is it may cost you. So one of the things about being a follower of Jesus, we've said it many times in various forms, that it may cost us. For her, it cost financially. There was a cost to worship that she expressed and was willing to give it all away. There was a cost socially. It cost her her pride. She let her hair down. I know that's an expression to maybe kind of be real, acted like, and she did that. She let her hair down and she did not care what everyone else thought. She didn't care that they thought she shouldn't give it all away. She didn't care that it looked a little too intimate for everybody. She didn't care that maybe it was embarrassing that she just poured this beautiful perfume all over him. It's almost interesting to me, she almost didn't care what Jesus thought. I know she did, of course, she placed great value on him. But Jesus received that. She just said, I I have to give you all of me And for some of us, that may cost us socially. We may look foolish. We may feel that we have something of such great value that we're willing to give it all away and we don't care what people think about it. Do I treasure and cherish Jesus more than my pride? Maybe something that you ask yourself this week, this morning. She was willing to give away all she had all her own hopes and dreams to embrace his for her. And not only does it cost everything, but it takes a total commitment. As I told you earlier, once she broke that open, it could not be put back together again. I think one of the things about following Jesus as a reminder in worship is that when we give to him, when we break ourselves open and release all to him, the idea is that you're not Put back together again. Can I say and declare that you're supposed to be put back together what? Better. Not because of something we do, except give our lives to Him, but it's because of what He did. He's taking care of sin, He's healing broken hearts and wounds, He's helping us and joining us in where we're at and where we need help. And that devotion can shape our lives. So one of the things to be reminded in this idea of expression in all of this, these are all expressions of worship to him. We do it continually. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, therefore let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Worship. It's an expression of, of our love for and life with God. But worship also then, there's something inward that happens. The other thing is it's the formation of our love and our life with God. Just real quickly, we are being formed into what he desires us to be, and part of that is by the way we worship him. So focus on that word formation. It's important not only to express to him but to receive from him in worship. He's forming us into, developing us into followers, and we need that. Otherwise, we may never truly worship. And it's not just about feeling. So this just takes me for a moment to feeling. Worship is not about feeling. Now, it is expressing feelings to God for sure, but we don't worship just because we feel like it we worship because we've declared what he's done for us who he is and our allegiance to him i often come on sunday and i don't feel like being here like some of you right now you don't feel like you want to stay you don't feel like listening anymore you just feel like i wish he'd be quiet so i could go eat or it's all right it's true but it's a feeling right We don't base value, shouldn't, on feelings. Eugene Peterson wrote that we are in worship developing feelings for God, not a feeling for God expressed in worship. I think I'm developing that. We are being formed, and worship is a part of that. He also said that worship does not satisfy our hunger for God It wets our appetite. And that's important to hear because if you've turned Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to 11.30 into your weekly worship time, then you're not truly receiving from God and giving to God what he wants and desires for himself and in you. This really only wets our appetite. What we're doing even for a little bit on Sunday together is redirecting and reorienting ourselves, we've said this many times, we will continue to say it, back to God. So a song this morning, or a proclamation of the word, or communion, or the way I watch you, do you know the way that you come in and not just sit your butt in a seat but engage with one another is worship. Encouraging. Loving even when you don't totally feel like it. I want you to embrace your real feelings. I don't want you to fake it. Hey, I need to practice that myself because sometimes I want to fake it. But we want the truth, but we also want this proclamation of value on God to be expressed in a value for one another. So we come together and we're sometimes redirecting, reorienting ourselves back to God We're hearing what he says and what he's saying to us. The other thing about worship, this is very important, is it's a posture we take in response to our love for and life with God. It's not about a style, but about submission and surrender. A lot of us have turned worship into a style that we like. That's one of the big problems of the church. Always has been, always will be. Many of you in here don't like the style You don't, I mean, don't, you don't have to say it out loud right now, but you don't like the guitar. You don't like uh, the dual. Now we got two keyboards or whatever going on here, you know? We got, right, drums. We didn't have drums. Then we do, right, and guitar, and there was a little electric stuff going on here today where you don't like someone's voice, you don't like the songs, you want it all to be hymns. And what happens is when we do that, we can have styles we enjoy. You can listen to that every day of the week in your car by yourself and sing as loud as you want. Pick out exactly what you like. But one of the beauties of coming together in real worship is probably God challenging us all to go, I don't like that style. But style does not dictate whether I worship or not. It doesn't. I have my own style that I like. And some of you won't like it. You won't even like some of the music that I play for myself in the privacy of my own truck. You'd look at it and go, you listen to that? Some of you have even found at times a more worshipful experience by some song that is not, quote, Christian, but it expressed the truth of your heart, and it directed, it's weird, huh, it directed you back to God. I'm all right with that, and I like a little bit of everything. Worship is not about a style, it's about a posture we take. This woman sat at the foot of Jesus and gave all to him, broke open her life, let her hair down. We don't need a building. We just need to become humble. It's not about where, but about who and how we worship. John 4 is a story of, a, of Jesus again speaking to a woman about many things, and she will bring up worship, and she'll go something like, well, I know it's supposed to be on this mountain, like she puts it in a place, and he says in John four twenty three twenty four, 24, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you, he says these simple words twice in those couple verses. I want you to worship in spirit and in, you probably know it, truth. It's worship. It's a posture we take. It's also worship then is a lifestyle that we lead in response to our love, and our life with God. It's not about a feeling, a building, we set all these things at a specific time or a certain style. It's really all of our life is an act of worship, how you live at your job, in your home, with your friends, with other people in the community, when you go to the store, when you do these various things. Even today, God really convicted me. I mean, it's been happening for weeks all the time. I got so much work to get done in my life, so many things that he wants to do. But even this morning, just practicing something um, in this lifestyle aspect of worship, I had to stop the truck, go back, and, you know, tell this person on the road um, that, that uh, man, I, I loved them and that they would have a good day. And uh, it's someone I hadn't seen in weeks, and they needed to hear that according to what the Spirit of God was saying. But I'd already passed them and thought about it and thought it was a great idea, and I didn't do it, and I kept driving until I got punched in the side of the head, which takes a lot of that for me. Continually I turned back around and went and it just took seconds, but worship should be a part of our lives completely. Many of us have a lot of pain and hurts and struggles that kind of mess with that, but maybe even that can be an act of worship by the way we take a posture of surrender to him and say, Lord, I recognize right now I don't like the style and I don't want to worship or I don't want to declare my allegiance to you, so I'm not going to talk to them, do that, or whatever, but the posture we take is humble, with humility, and it's supposed to be a lifestyle, so we stop, we change, we say we're sorry, we try to figure it out, we respect other, whatever it is. It's not about feeling, building specific time or certain style, it's about our lives. Romans 12, 1, I think I told you this a couple weeks ago, we will read these verses so many times, you're gonna have it all memorized in every translation by the time we're done. This is from the NLT, New Living Translation. One of many. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Not what you did, not because you had a good or bad day. Do it because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. And then look at what he writes. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, here it is from the message, one of my favorites. I love it, the way he says it. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Not capable of worshiping this way apart from him. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. God's good. Worship is a lifestyle. Key on that word, lifestyle. That same writer wrote Eugene Peterson, worship, it gives us a a workable structure for life. It reminds us who we are in relation to God and each other. Although we come from different places, various conditions with different backgrounds, in worship, when we do it corporately like today, or churches around the world are, or maybe other times that you have, when you gather, in worship we are gathered together in a single whole. And it gives us a little bit of a framework when we come together on Sunday, maybe, and we hear these songs, hear his word proclaimed, take communion together, are together. We get a framework for who we are in him, who he is. We declare these things together, and it gives us something to now go live life with. It does that for those of you that lost someone this week. They passed away tragically. I don't understand why that happens the situation that I heard this morning i don 't totally get it, but it happened. worship this way gives me a framework to try to grasp a hold of this god i don't i don't get it i don 't know why, Lord, this is happening in my life or their life or this nation or whatever. But this framework that I'm gathering from a community of people together, a worldwide community, it's given me a framework to say, but God, you are good, you are great, you are in control, even though I don't get it. It gives me a framework to say, I'm saved, you love me, I'm your child, even when I don't feel like it. And it gives us framework on how to live life and how to operate in our jobs, and even though it's a struggle and hard for us, That's why it's important to do it in all of life, alone and together. Continually reorienting ourselves back to God in any situation. This one scripture in Habakkuk, and we're gonna wrap up with one more thought, but Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, And the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. Some of you, those words resonate with you. No blossoms, barren, empty, death. And those are real feelings and hurts. But worship says, even in that, it's true. It does not change it. It does not shove it aside. It does not declare that it's not true. It just says, even though these are happening to me, yet, yet, but... I will rejoice in the Lord. The last thing that I wanna tell you and give you some instructions is this, is that worship is a living presentation of the gospel that we share in response to our love for and life with God. The biggie in this story was this, this woman, it says it specifically in John 12, we know that it would've happened here, When she takes this beautiful thing, she cannot help but pour the entire big old alabaster jar. It was probably, her pride has to go away, but she takes it. She comes up to Jesus. She doesn't care what anybody thinks. She doesn't care about her past, what it looks like to others, what it looked like to them. She doesn't care that they're going, "Uh uh-oh, the prostitute just came in. Uh Uh-oh. it's gonna. She doesn't give a rip about any of that. She takes that jar, busts it open. It's over. It's done. I'm all in. She pours it. All over his head, it runs down. It's on his clothes. It goes to his feet. It's going onto the floor. She lets her hair down. See that? I even did it like I don't know. If that's how women do that. But lets her hair down. She gets down on the ground and she is wiping with tears his feet, declaring her allegiance to him and thanking him for what he has done in her life and what he will soon do for all of humanity. There is nothing of greater value at that point. And John 12 tells us that the entire atmosphere, the fragrance of the room changed. Not just by what Jesus said, but the expression of worship changed the atmosphere of the room and I don't care if you had a bad heart or not, you were forced to smell this beautiful aroma that was expressed by this woman. When we live this way, in an act of worship, it changes the atmosphere of the room. Nick, uh, we talked on text a little bit about this, and he proposed, I don't know if this is true or not, but think about it with me. This beautiful fragrance was poured over his head. It was in his clothes. Who knows? But all week, everywhere that Jesus went, I'm not declaring this as truth, but just think about it with me. Everywhere he went, there was still an aroma in his hair, on his clothes. That everywhere he went, it was expressed to those around him that something beautiful had happened, that something beautiful was about to occur, and it changed the atmosphere of every place that he went the last days of his life. It was a presentation of the gospel because Jesus would declare these words in verse nine. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news the gospel is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed, this woman's deed this woman's act of worship will be remembered and discussed. The worship team can come. It's gonna lead us in song and we're gonna do communion together today. But can I just give you some thoughts for the week to, to, as they get up here and start playing? Is, and then they'll give you time to get it. We'll take a break before they sing and we'll just take it together, take a moment. And then again, I'll come and pray uh, for uh, these next couple days. But would you, this can play out in many ways. I don't know what it looks like for you exactly, but this week, go to him, open up your life to him, and pour out to Jesus. Maybe it's singing in, a, in the truck or the shower, no one's watching, and you're like the greatest singer in all the earth, man. You got movement down. You got fluctuations and tones and things. I got none of that. But you know, you realize suddenly you look over because you're at the stoplight and you're like, oh man, that. But who cares? Because you found some song, some phrase, some verse. They reoriented you, redirected you back to God, and you can't help but sing out. Maybe it's the way you serve someone this week. We go back to washing feet. Maybe it's the way you express forgiveness or love or break open your heart to him and you tell him the truth. I'm broken, Lord. I need you, God. We need you, God. Maybe it's an expression of your business or a relationship or your hurt, right? Or how angry you are that this is happening. Why is this going on? Maybe that's your act of worship. God, I am ticked off today in worship (laughs) you know why? because you broke open you and you expressed to him maybe someone needs to go way out in the woods and just scream out to God all the things that are just piled up in your heart and life for others it's a quiet moment alone in the morning just getting on your knees and just telling him thank you for saving me for forgiving me David would do that often in the Psalms. I read this week multiple times. Everyone's against me. My best friends hate me. No one likes me. (laughs) Sound like me sometimes looking in the mirror. I'm no good. I don't have nice stuff. Whatever, you know, you do. Don't have nothing. And he'd say, like Habakkuk. It's all empty and barren. No one likes me right now yet I will rejoice in you. You forgave me of sin. You steadfast love is great. The moment you want to judge people this week or defriend them because you don't like what they did, then check yourself in light of the cross and what Jesus has done for you. And if you want to practice something you know, this, you can do this in all of the Psalms. The Psalms maybe are the greatest worship writings of all time. Pick a translation out, read them. If you want to get some that are real specific to worship, there's tons, but this is more than seven days, but Psalms 90 through 100, there's 10. One a day, all of them every day. One. Pick out one and read a verse. They'll talk about what worship looks like, and they'll talk about how worship's expressed, and they'll bring up emotions and things. And what I'd encourage you to do is just read them, like read through them, you know? You read one, and you can, uh, you know? You can even do this, just, okay, Psalm 98. Sing a new song to the Lord. Maybe you stop right there how easy this could be for you and you worship him maybe it's an actual song that you try to sing but you just sing out what's on your heart for he has done wonderful deeds it's one verse you think what are the wonderful deeds that God has done in my life his right hand has won a mighty victory His holy arm has shown his saving power. I mean, you read that. So Psalms 90 through 100, or just pick out some other psalms and use them as kind of worship prayer, you know, talking to God. Maybe it stirs up something in anger or hurt. Tell him about that. Sing this week, beat this week, whatever. Live life as a presentation of the good news of Jesus. And so today, Father, thank you for this time as we wrap up this morning. We declare our allegiance to you again in worship. If someone's here today that's challenged by this in some way, meet them right where they're at. And we come as we are, men and women, young and old, that follow you, humbly submitting and surrendering to you, Declaring that you are of greatest value, the pearl of great price, because of who you are, what you've done, and you declare us righteous and your children. And we we receive that today. And and then we express it in worship. Right now we'll take communion and sing. And we'll pray together and we'll go live this out each day this week. So thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.